It was sort of a blow when we had to pull the last of the heat-loving fruits and vegetables. Goodbye summer, hello winter. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian. Welcome to our podcast of November 14th. We had freeze warnings set for two nights earlier this week. The first night, Tuesday night, uh, turned out not to be as severe as had been predicted, I think because the wind blew right through the wee hours and into the morning. But it did go down to freezing. It was 32 degrees. It went down degrees. to 32, but right. they had projected 29. Right, so. And we got 32 instead. And unlike a normal night, we got the same low that Tallacy did. Mm-hmm. which indicates to me that my theory about why our lows tend to be lower may be correct, and that is we're a little lower than Tallahassee and a little lower in altitude, and the colder air settles here rather than in Tallahassee. That could be. And we're out in the countryside, and we don't have any concrete to heat up the you know, the air and the other temperatures, so... I think that's another, you know, just out in the country is usually a little cooler, too. But at any rate, we did take precautions. We can talk about that. Fair disclosure, we're actually recording this Wednesday, the day before we publish it. And so we don't know exactly what to expect on Wednesday night, tonight. Um, But we suspect we'll get a more um, damaging freeze just because we're not expecting the wind. So we'll we'll know more about that. But we still took the precautions um, ahead of the 32 degrees that came. And uh, one of the precautions was to pull all of those peppers. That really hurt. <laughs> but boy, what a haul. I know. I, I, I know you've got a photo that you're going to show. Yeah, we'll, that'll be our photo for the podcast this week. And you'll get a chance to see just how many peppers Farmer Borden pulled. But it was... Um, for just the bell peppers alone, was an overflowing half bushel size basket and um, four other regular size um, produce baskets full of mostly peppers. There were a couple of green tomatoes thrown in, an eggplant, and I even dug up what I think is probably finally the last sweet potato. Um, (laughs) But anyway, it was touching to me what the amount, the sheer volume of peppers that came off those plants. And I think I told you yesterday that I've, I found myself thanking those plants for feeding us so well all summer and then thanking the Lord for creating those plants. And let's be good. specific. You said all summer, but most of these peppers were planted July the 31st, right? No, about half of them. Okay. I had a bed full of uh, other peppers that would, but actually those, they were producing just as well the new ones were by the end of the season. Right. Um, and, and the reason I planted additional peppers, for one thing, I had the plants. But um, if you recall, we got kind of a slow start, and I feared a limited start because of the voles. The voles actually destroyed a number of pepper plants that I originally put out. But the ones that were still out there ended up just going like gangbusters. I had two 
plants that actually I had pulled. One, uh, well, more than two, but my banana pepper plant, which is one I actually purchased um, as a transplant, uh, died back a few weeks ago. But um, And then there was a cowhorn pepper that I purchased as a transplant. So isn't that ironic that the only two plants that didn't last the whole season, other than due to vole damage, were the ones that I bought. And the ones that I started from seed were the healthiest Good in my experience. Know. Oh. Uh, this has clearly been our best year yet for peppers. It was just a magnificent year. And I guess your taste in what peppers to grow has expanded with your success each year. So now not only are you working to plant bell peppers and banana peppers, but you've got the cayennes and the cow and the cowhorns and the jalapenos. And, and Anaheim. And Anaheim. Anaheim's sort of my bumper crop. <laughs> yeah, we just got Anaheim peppers. My cash crop. And we're, neither of us really likes truly hot peppers, but the Anaheims are just wonderful. They're not that hot. And we've really enjoyed putting them in soups and stews and cooking them with vegetables. Yeah, for just so a forth. just a little bit of a kick, you know. Now, if if you let it turn red, or if you use the seeds from the inside, uh, no holds barred. It'll be pretty hot. But just a green Anaheim, the flesh only, um, usually is just about right for us. And then I I like making pepper sauce. And so I use the hot peppers, the cayennes for that, and the jalapenos. Now, one downside of this latest bumper crop is that, uh, as you told me either last night or this morning, th with the cool weather, these peppers don't turn red the way they do in the heart of the summertime. That's been my observation. That's right. I have a few of the cayennes were beginning to turn a little bit red, but in the height of the summer... Boy, those things were ripening like crazy, and I made some of the most beautiful pepper sauce from those. They were just bright red and gorgeous. And now I pulled a lot of cayenne yesterday, but it was all green. Um, so, And I also noticed that the Anaheims were not turning red either. So, you know, it's uh, same with the jalapenos. I do attribute that to the cool temperatures. Oh, the That's other one. That's our guess about The other one. And my friend Rona Watson gave me a beautiful... Um, pepper it's a sweet pepper called a carmen and in the summer and it, it, that is it's not hot um and um in the summertime those turned a gorgeous shade of red and it's so lovely cut up on a salad well i had cayenne that cayenne plant was still producing like crazy nice big fruit um but none of them were turning red are you talking about the carmen now the carmen yeah yes the okay. carmen pe pepper so um Again, across the board, even the red bells I had out there, everything was, was staying green. But everything looked healthy, so now it's just a matter of finding ways to store it and use them. And also, I'll give some away. I'm thinking of, for the first time, making pepper jelly. So I'll um, keep everybody posted about that. All right. We also uh, gathered up the sweet potatoes yesterday and moved them to the root cellar. We we have not tried to get real ambitious about our storage method. All we did, you bought some cheap laundry, plastic laundry baskets at the store, and we just piled them into those cheap plastic laundry baskets, didn't put any filler between the potatoes. The potatoes are in contact with each other, but they will be in the dark, and they will be in a constant temperature in the root cellar. Now, the 
temperature they always recommend for storing sweet potatoes is invariably lower than what we get in our root cellar. Our root cellar, even in the dead of winter, is not going to be much over, I mean, not much under 65 degrees. Um, So it's probably not the ideal way to store sweet potatoes, but it's what we have. It's what we have. That's right. A couple of years ago, we had a fairly decent crop of sweet potatoes, and we actually stored those just out in the storage room. Um, and as you pointed out to me yesterday when we were talking about that, that um, the, the temperature fluctuates in that storage room because it's it has a west-facing window. So if you get a warm afternoon or just the sun coming in, it can heat up. But then um, in the morning after a cold night, it's when I go in there to do laundry, I realize it's pretty cold. So it's a wild fluctuation. And I guess we're hoping that maybe the constancy of the temperature for the sweet potatoes will be um, a good thing. And the darkness. And the darkness, yes. And keeping them, the reason for using the baskets, um, laundry baskets, or what we, that was inexpensive, but to, to provide air circulation. Yes, they, we know they need air. We know we would not want to uh, leave them deprived of ventilation. Yeah, so, yeah. Anything else about the veg before we travel over to the well, orchard? The jury is still out about what's going to happen with the, the remaining squashes and pumpkins out there. Um, I have three pumpkins on the vine, two butternut squash, and a fairly small spaghetti squash. Um, and I chose not to cover those. I left them out there. Um, even though I know that the vine of a squash plant, a cucurbit, is not meant for cold weather. Um, it's a tender vegetable. However, um, the pumpkins are simply not ripe, so I'm trying to give them as much advantage as they have of staying on the vine as long as they can. Um, so we'll see. Okay. And uh, I guess before we go over to the fruit, we can talk about the brassicas. They're in good shape, uh, look to be ready to uh, weather the the winter okay. We've already begun harvesting some collards. Yes, so, um, and our lettuce is doing well, Um Kale, the kale's doing well, so really um, we're hoping that uh, we're going to see fewer damaging insects as a result of this cold weather. And talk briefly about your spring peas. Well, you're, the you're idea that we to had plant about them earlier this year—that's correct. Um, I had always planted in February, and of course, the nice thing about them is they're <clears throat> they're early spring vegetables so we have something and usually they are up and ready to harvest while you still have cool weather and then of course when it starts to get hot um, they don't like that and and the plants die back but I talked to a a woman not too long ago who plants her spring peas in the fall and they form a root system and then they emerge just fine in time for spring harvest so um, it makes sense and, and what I like about the idea is, if it works um, for me, that once the plants come up, I can mulch around them so that I don't have weeds encroaching on the little spring uh, transplants, the exactly. little spring seedlings. Exactly. It would be rather. huge if we could somehow figure out a solution to the weed problem. Because as you've pointed out to me, the difficulty with planting them in February is that the spring peas and the weeds tend to emerge right together. Yes. And as a result, your pe- your peas can easily be overwhelmed well, by those weeds. I have literally spent hours in the past weeding around spring peas. And then last year, I spent 
hours, a lot longer planting the peas because I rolled out the weed guard and cut holes to plant to in which to plant the peas. I thought, how much easier would it be to let them come up with with in a weed-free, relatively weed-free environment, and then just simply place some mulch around those peas. So we'll see. We'll see. But it, it makes sense to us, so we're going to give it a try, and, and we hope that it will work. And if it doesn't, we can always plant again in the spring. And one thing I should mention before we leave the topic of Veg Hill is that um, I seeded with the cover crop lupin about a week and a half ago, and maybe two weeks ago here. That's right. Um, and it's coming up. It's it's germinate. You know, the seeds are germinating, and I'm seeing some uh, good growth from those plants. So that's that's hopeful. That's what we want to see. Right. And you, we pulled our last eggplant. Did we say that? Yes, yes. Okay, good. All right, so let's go over and look at the fruit. We, uh, Knowing, as we did, that they were, we're going to have these two nights of freezing temperatures, we pull the last two persimmons, even though we might have been able to let them stay on the tree, we decided they're too precious to take a chance on. So we went ahead and pulled them. They've been good, too. <laughs> oh, they're delicious. We just love our Asian persimmons and look forward eagerly to future years when we'll have many more persimmons to, I really, to harvest. I really do think they might be my new favorite fruit. They're just there's something about the mildness of that taste, and um, it's sweet but not too sweet. The texture when you when you pick them at the right time, the texture is to die for. So, they're, I highly recommend them. I don't disagree with you. I, I I'm not able to say they're my favorite fruit. I think my favorite fruit is still a muscadine, but uh, boy, they are delicious. Well, for eating, I'm thinking actually peaches and blueberries are right up there as my favorite. Flavors. Well, you're absolutely right. Hard to go wrong with fresh blueberries. So we all, we also pulled the last of the muscadines. This has been an unusually extended muscadine season. I've forgotten when we first started picking muscadines. I'll see if I can reconstruct it, and if I can figure it out, I'll put it on the show notes page. When we started picking muscadines this year, but it's been a long season that we've enjoyed them. Uh, we did have a couple of ripe figs, which we harvested and enjoyed. And then we had some that were green, of course. And we just pulled them just to see if maybe they'll ripen. I don't think we're optimistic. We think they probably will go from green to rotten. But um, we'll give it a whirl we'll and see. see what happens. Because we knew anything we left on the tree would be destroyed by the freeze. Right. And then I remember that we stopped for a prayer, to get a prayer of thanksgiving for our best fruit harvest ever so far because of the fact that, you know, our trees are, are young and, you know, we planted them in faith a few years back and um, the good Lord has delivered. So we're thankful. Fruit is definitely a, an exercise in delayed gratification. You just have to be patient and we're, it's now fun to see our patients being rewarded. We're, we're actually getting uh, good harvest from more and more of our trees, which is exciting. Well, one of the things that happens when the weather gets cold is that I don't have to be calling for you to come in as much because the cold weather brings you in earlier. It's really the dark 
sky that brings me in earlier. Not, I, I'm not worried about getting cold, but I am worried about not being able to see. <laughs> so I'll take it any way I can get It's getting get it. dark too early for my taste. But yeah, we're around five, really. I'm losing my light to the point I just have to give it up. Well, I'm going to submit to you that it's more than the light because you've been working into the night a few times. Uh, I don't see you working into the night when the wind is blowing and the temperatures are cold. True that, yes. I don't really like being cold or in the dark. So I think the combo of the two, I'm just, that's enough. Time to go in. Yeah. <laughs> and I still have my work cut out for me to clear for those pecan trees. Um, goodness knows when we'll actually get them in the ground, but that process continues and, and the clearing work continues. So. Right. Stay tuned. Yeah, we'll, stay we'll tuned. We'll keep you posted on but, that. But they, those trees in the pots can uh, seem to have weathered the They seem to be fine. And fine. Now they're, gonna, they're about to get blasted. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll keep irrigating them even after the cold because the roots continue to grow even after the foliage dies. So we'll, um, we'll hope for the best that they can weather that and stay alive while we're working to clear the land for them. It's just a slow process, particularly now that I'm working alone. I was uh, able to call on Adrian for her help earlier when she was here, but she's gone to California now, so now it's just me. Well, um, maybe I can pitch in a little bit. I'll try to help you, too. Your help would be welcome. So we can get those pecans finally planted. That'll be fun. So we hope you're staying warm, that you have a wonderful week, and we will look forward to visiting with you again soon. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.